Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The wait is finally over. Baseball season is here at last and the excitement continues all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant cash, instant gratification. Why wait until the end of the season to claim victory when you can win huge cash every day? At DraftKings, it's like a brand new season every time you play. Just select two pitchers and eight position players, stay under the salary cap, and you could be on your way to an enormous payday. Last year, Peter from Colorado won a million bucks at DraftKings in one day, just playing fantasy baseball. Hundreds of thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code SPREAKER to play for free. You can win part of $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. Use promo code SPREAKER for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. The Earnestly Speaking Podcast is a show that is founded on free-flowing conversation and may at times venture into mature subjects. Listener discretion is advised. All right, this is part two of the uh, Earnest Speaking Podcast. Uh, uh, weekly. This is now the uh, 2015 Earnestly Speaking NBA Awards. Now, uh, of course, parts part one. Of course, you can check out on the uh, downloads, um, ngsports.com. Uh, you can, of course, find me on iTunes, Stitcher Radio. Uh, we gave our first round predictions with, with Mark and Jabari, and now we're back with Mark and Jabari now for our annual 2015 Earnestly Speaking NBA Awards, where we'll reveal our MVPs and Sixth Man of the Year and all, all NBA first, second, third teams. Before I get to all that, man. Um, you know, I'm always over the place to come to stuff on this on this podcast. Um, you guys are caught up on Game of Thrones and Mad Men, right? Oh yeah, because I am. Because I am. Um, I thought Game of Thrones. I, I thought they did a good job. Uh, on uh, on, uh, I, I you know a, a lot of shows I watch. You know, shows I, I love don't do a good job with the with the season premieres of setting the table well, up well. I thought Game of Thrones did a great job setting up the table pretty well. Not giving you too much, giving you enough. And giving you pretty much what you need to know for the future of the of this uh, of the season. So I, I I was very impressed with with how uh, how the first episode went. Yeah, I mean it, it, exactly. It set the foundation, you know, for what you know what's to come, and and, and they're always going to do that. They're going to remind you of certain characters, and, and I kind of like how they they brought certain guys, you know, certain folks back into the mix, and you know, it, it, I'm, of course, it's intriguing to see what's going to happen with Tyrion, you know, in that storyline. Just across the board, I thought it was a great, you know, a great first episode. Yeah, I got to agree. It's a, uh, it, it was a, it was a wonderful first episode. I really loved. The uh, the flashback scene with uh, mm-hmm. with Cersei Lannister's character, I thought yes. the, the way the way that they wrote that dialogue with you know kind of the the, the things that the, the the psychic the witch whatever was hinting at, I thought that was really fun. I thought that little girl captured uh, Lena Headey's you know disapproving scowl perfectly, and she had that <laughs> air of of 
superiority down pat for a young girl. I thought that that was my favorite scene in the whole in the whole show. What's well, funny too is that the 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 producer of the show had said in the past that he was never going to do uh, flashback scenes on this show ever. And go figure. <laughs> he's just, he, but it made sense though for this. It made sense because I, I think I think now with the you know the father dying was dead. Joffrey's there. There's, there's actually a, a lack of a, a true villain in the show, and I, and I think Cersei might fill may actually fill that role. Um, uh, this season going forward as, as the really the, the, the true villain on the show. Well, she's been kind of, she's been kind of filling that and, and ramping that up over the last few seasons. And, you know, if, if we're being honest about it, but no, you're right. Without them in the, without them in the, you know, in the mix, you know, they're still going to be, you know, they'll still introduce, you know, kind of evil characters here and there, but she's definitely, you know, she's definitely playing that role at this, at this stage, a woman's yeah, scorned and a sister scorned. Well, and you know, with Tywin and Tyrion Lannister both out of the way, that kind of opens the door. There's nothing really holding her back anymore. But the one mm-hmm. character that I think is gonna is gonna emerge as a really interesting antagonist this year is Robert Baratheon. Right. You know, I feel like they've been kind of letting that storyline simmer for so long, but now that he's with mm-hmm. Jon Snow and the the Men of the Night's Watch, and he's 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 really thrown himself into his complete losing of his mind with this with his Lord of the Light woman, whatever. <laughs> uh, I think there's gonna be some pretty crazy stuff to go down with Robert Baratheon this year. Yeah. Now I'm actually tempted because I you know they they just announced that they leaked the uh first four episodes of this of the season and I'm tempted to watch all four now. Um I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kinda like I don't know I don't want to do that. I want to go week to week. I, I don't know. It's, it's weird. I, I'm 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 leaning towards actually finding the leaks and watching them all this weekend. Hey, uh, Mark, just to clarify, you mean Stannis, right? Stannis, thank you, not Robert Baratheon. Stannis yeah, because I was gonna say, I was I, I was like, wait, Robert? Well, they, yeah, they they flashed him. Yeah, you know what? I didn't read the <laughs> book. Well, I only watched yeah. when it was a TV show or a movie like that. I always struggle to mm-hmm. keep all the characters straight if I didn't read the book. And admittedly, Don't feel bad, Mark. I didn't I'm the same book. way too. So my wife and I go back and forth with that all the time about the uh, you know about the uh, who's who. Wait, is, it, is his name Tyrion or Tywin? Yeah, because it's like yeah. the same last name. It's like no, uh, no, totally. But, plus, there's a plus right. ton of characters. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah. But, and by the way, uh, quickly on Mad Men, uh, uh, Donald Draper's. Uh, yeah, he's losing his. He's losing his shit. Let's just put that way. <laughs> <laughs> he's losing his shit. <laughs> yeah, you know, I feel like the whole thing with Mad Men this last season, with the first half of last season and now the second half of the of the final season, it's kind of gone off the rails sort of the same way Dexter did. It's mm-hmm. just gotten stupid. And it's like, all right, I'm going to tune in. And I'm going to tune in and watch it close out. But it feels like it's gotten a little stupid. I don't know about that far, Mark. I, I think it's it's still following. Tr- it's still following when he's a follow. I think Dexter just went off the rails completely because I, I mean the writing got stale. I think the writing's still really good with with Mad Men. It's still interesting. It's just that I think we're rooting for for Don to 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 get it all together. I think we've seen the reality of his, his life what it is. You know him getting divorced again. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, and now the, now this new waitress that comes in now, and you know what, what's her what's her deal? She has she's running from a, a family situation in Racine, Wisconsin, and stuff. So I I think the writing is still strong on Mad Men. I mean, I love the single season. You know, maybe yeah. maybe what it is is I I think I kind of always wanted Don Draper to become the good guy that he had the potential to be, and I think Matthew Weiner has lost me a little bit. Because okay. every time that Don Draper gets to a crossroads where he can make the decision to be that like narcissistic ass 
or take the step towards being a good guy, he somehow always falls back into being a narcissistic ass. And you saw this earlier in the series, like when he kept cheating on Betty. And like you think they're going to start to work it out, and then some new chick pops up, and you're... I, I guess I just got tired of, of uh, Don's narcissism. What do you guys think? <laughs> the thing is, it, well, no, but, but that's kind of like the crux of the entire show. It, like, the entire show... Right. And it's based upon you know him being a narcissist and him continuing to poison his own well and him doing it. I hear right. I hear you in terms of wanting better for him, but that's actually what you know, like for me, that's what's been great about the show. You want better, but you know it's gonna be done. Like yeah. at the end of all the we've, we've, we've been conditioned to expect happy endings, so when things don't change yeah. and when the bad guy <laughs> wins, so to speak, it's almost yeah. an uncomfortable feeling as a viewer. Right. Jabari, what was the quote that Megan gave him when they were doing the, before he signed the check? They called him a selfish something. What was the quote during the the, the during the mediation? Um, the I don't I don't yeah. remember the exact quote, but I mean, like it, it was it was done in a nutshell. <laughs> it was done. You call him call him a selfish, you know, narcissistic, whatever. Yeah. You know, I mean that that pretty much defined Donald Draper who he is. It really did. Yeah. So, but you know what? Let, let's check a couple, every couple of weeks on this, man. Honestly, because I, I think both these shows, you know, obviously Mad Men's ending its entire series this season um, with five more to go before this finale, and you have, of course, Game of Thrones is doing this thing. Um, we'll check out a couple of weeks and see where the show's heading and we'll, what we think about absolutely. going forward. Absolutely. And I, one thing I have to throw out there is I absolutely love Roger Sterling's 70s dirty mustache. His porn's back. Yeah, I was just back. going there, Mark. I was, I was just going there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's either a 70s porn stash or an 80s cop stash. It's one of the yeah. It's Which, by the way, I think <laughs> he was he was ready teeter, he was ready teetering as my favorite ca- cast member on the show with that mustache now. Number one with the bullet. Yeah, it's a record. Roger Sterling. My, my 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 comic relief, and, and God, I freaking love him the entire series. And then yeah. for them for, for them to throw a porn stash on him to send it off, I just love it. <laughs> and oh, by the way, I love the fact they brought back. They brought Marie Cave, Cave, was it Cave? Um, uh, Megan's mother with him. Yeah, I know him and Roger and Marie have a great, good chemistry. Those two, I think, I, I like that whole storyline with them. Oh, uh, their their dynamic is house. so funny. Their dynamic, I love is it. So awesome. I, I love that whole dynamic. But like I said, I, we're eight minutes in the podcast, and we're talking Madman Game of Thrones. Like I said, we'll check in a couple weeks and do a, do an actual separate podcast with this. Um, but let's get to the uh, the NBA awards. Um, like I said, we do this every year now on, on this podcast, um, or speaking to me awards. Um, like I said, we'll get to the MVP in a second. Um, we'll hold out for that for now. Um, let me ask you guys a question. Biggest surprise this year for you guys in terms of the, uh, which teams really stunned you? I think it, honestly, it, it kind of has to be the Hawks. Like, you know, it, we can come up with a, a lot of different storylines, and, and that's what's fun about, you know, uh, the NBA regular season is, you know, is specifically the storylines. But for me, the big surprise has to be the Hawks. You know, it's a miracle season that they put together. Um, you know, some of the path was sort of, you know, uh, I guess placed before them, you know, given some of the other circumstances, you know, from, you know, from around the Eastern Conference. But given the turmoil that they went through prior to the year, you know, like, let's not forget, uh, you know, all of the stuff that took place with the GM, you know, uh, Danny Ferry, you know, who's, all, who's, who's still out indefinitely, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, and, and, who, and who knows what's going to come up with that, as well as with the ownership. 
Um, the fact that they struck out completely, you know, uh, in last year's free agency, maybe not, maybe completely is too, is too hard, but, you know, like has been, you know, like has been the case. You know, for many years, and, and Hawks fans will tell you, they still were not able to land that company created. But given all of those circumstances, and no one could have anticipated this, no one could have. So for me, the Hawks have been the biggest surprise. Yeah, I looked at, I, you know, admittedly, uh, Ernest, when you sent out the email, I looked at this more of like a breakout performance category. So I wrote down the bottom like side as my biggest surprise. Oh. But if we're talking, <laughs> no, for real. And, and, and uh, for real, though, because you turned me on to him. And wow. all of a sudden, like, not a week after you told me to start watching him, he blew up and had that 20 rebound quarter or whatever it was. And I just love the kid. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love every part of the game. But so that aside. Um, it's without question Atlanta because all season long in earnest, you and I talked about this at a couple different points throughout the year. We were both kind of like waiting for that other shoe to fall with Atlanta. All right, well, they're going to screw up. They're going to screw it up at some point. And yeah, they, they did get a little complacent down the stretch and everything, but they really didn't dial it back. And they quietly had a fantastic season and I couldn't be happier for them. I went a little way. Cause I thought, Atlanta, I thought Atlanta would be pretty good. I didn't think it'd be like this good, but I went other direction. I went Milwaukee Bucks. Okay. Uh, let's not forget, mm-hmm. they were the worst team in the league last year, yeah. and now they're the sixth seed in the East. Granted, it's East, but still, mm-hmm. Jason Kidd, new coach, you know, new players integrate. They had a big trade middle of the year, and somehow this team went from a what sixteen win team last year or fifteen win team last year to a playoff team winning forty two games this year. You got to give that credit. I mean, that's that to me, that's impressive. Um, I did almost go Atlanta also too, though, but I did think Atlanta has to be pretty decent this year as well. Um, what about what about disappointment? I'll jump right in for me, I mean, obviously they weren't gonna they weren't winning championships this year, but I had their ceiling right around forty, forty two games. I was curious to see how Kobe and Julius Randle were gonna vibe and I was curious about some of the uh I was curious about some of the rookies. For them to get hit with injuries to the degree that they did and 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 have the worst season in franchise history, that was a big disappointment for me because I felt like we were really starting to shake off some of the post fill woes and head in the right direction, and it just it, it there was no movement other than as the coach yeah. there. Yeah, I, I wasn't, you know, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't, you know, as I mentioned in the first half of the show, I wasn't disappointed in the Lakers season. I, you know, of course there's always intrigue heading into the year and you think like, oh, you know, what could be? Uh, but once, you know, once, you know, once, I was going to say LaMarcus, once um, Julius Randle went down in that first game and then once it was it was evident that Kobe wasn't going to be able to play, you know, beyond, you know, 30 games or so, um, and, you know, and, and some of the other injuries that, you know, that they had, you know, or, or you know, over the course of the season, it was kind of, it was kind of a obvious to me that that was going to be the case for me the biggest disappointment honestly has to be either the either the the hornets or the nuggets the hornets now look it mm. isn't that i looked That's at them call. as like an actual contender but they there's no way i anticipated them just totally falling off the radar you know as they did especially in a, in a once again a week a week eastern conference there's just no well, and when, when, when you they, look at the showing that they put up against miami last year in the playoffs uh-huh. you looked at them mm-hmm. and it was like with Kimball walker and everything and you're going okay maybe mj is figuring something out down there and then for them to fall off from the progress they had made to the disaster that mm-hmm. they had this year i think that's a really really good call you know, and, and I almost went. 
And the last, you know, like you, you wanted, you know, like well, maybe you guys didn't want, but I wanted Lance Stevenson to work out really well there. I, you know, I have nothing against the guy. Yeah, yeah, yes, he does some silly, he does some silly stuff at times, but he's a guy that I think can be a positive player in this league. But it absolutely, yep. clearly, has to be under the right circumstances. And with the Nuggets, it's yep. the same thing. They ended up winning thirty games this year. That, that's just unacceptable. Like, yes, the Western Conference is tough, and yes, you know, and yes, you know, they had some roster issues, and obviously they made a change at the head coaching you know, your position and all of that. But there's really no excuse for that team, you know, uh, you know, given some of the talent that they have out there, to have been as bad and to have been as you know, as according to all reports, as unprofessional as they had, you know, as they were in in a lot of cases in the you know in, yep. in the behind closed doors as well as on you know on the bench. So yeah, that, those two teams are my biggest disappointments. I think you got to get Philly too, just because the you know the way that they were so unashamed in in their tanking of their season for what now like the third year in a row, that mm-hmm. to me was just embarrassing. Yeah, true, true. Although I think there's still some fight late late in the year. There's still some fight late in the year. Um, I almost I, I almost went Charlotte though, uh, Jamari, mm-hmm. but I. I I, 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 I almost went Dallas too, but say you know what? In the Western Conference, they still have the games, and they can probably turn around the playoffs. So let me let me not penalize them just yet. I went the Wizards, man. Watch the Wizards because I think that's a team I thought was gonna make that big leap into the elite in the East. Mm-hmm. I thought that's a team that okay, and the way they started, you figure okay, they could be a top two or three team in the East. Challenge Chicago, challenge Cleveland. No, they're they're right. If in, like I'll say it again, if it wasn't for a bad bottom of the Eastern Conference, this team could be a seven eight seed in the Eastern Conference. It, it's it was terrible. And I'll say it again, Randy Whitman's the worst coach in the league, in my opinion. He he'll, he'll probably look, looking for a job at the end of the year because no way in hell Kevin Durant's going to watch him with that guy's head coach. Sorry, ain't happening. So Wizards are my most disappointing team of the, of the 2015 season. So what about uh, six man of the year, Jamari? It's tough because you know we were talking about this, you know, you know, just prior to recording, and nobody really stood out. So I mean, you got guys like Lou Williams, you know, you still Jamal Crawford. So, so because nobody, you know, nobody, you know, nobody other, you know, outside of them, like really just you know, uh, step forward and you know, and took this award. I got to go with Jamal Crawford once again. And the truth of the matter is, is because he's Whoa. all the Clippers have. It isn't just a six man. He's all they got off that bench that you can consistently you know depend upon. He's you know, he's just under sixteen points a game. You know, he's he's. Quite frankly, probably their second best playmaker, you know, that they have, you know, behind Chris Paul, and you know, they, they lean so heavily upon him that you know, it's going to be, it's really going to be interesting, uh, you know, you know, from a depth and a, a bit, you know, like a supporting cast productivity, you know, perspective in this postseason for them, you know, if, if he's able to provide enough, or if other guys are going to be able to step into the in, into the forefront, but you know, I'll stick, I'll, I'll go with my guy, you know, JC crossover or J crossover. <laughs> yeah, I got to go with Jamal Crawford too, because like Jabari said, nobody stepped up and really took the took the crown from him this year. There's nobody when I look around the league. There's nobody that I see that that I I can look at and say, wow, they really anchor their second unit. And you know, when I look at a sixth man, I look at I you know sort of the mold for me is somebody who likely starts on a lot of other teams, but the necessity of mm-hmm. their situation demands that they come off the bench and lead that second unit. And Jamal Crawford is the only guy that really stands out to me that fits that position. So I guess really out of lack of a better option, it's got to be Jamal Crawford again. Um, I almost went there too. It was a tight race for me, but I went another direction this year. I went Lou Williams. I, and I think uh, one reason why I picked Lou Williams too is that especially the fact that when DeMar DeRozan went down early in the year, he definitely played well in his absence. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think on Crawford, he's like, like, is it Crawford fatigue? Uh, maybe a little bit, but 
I thought Lou really stood out, and I thought Lou was was in the race last year, you know, and Lou could have won it last year as well. But I think this year Lou Williams, you know, definitely you know on a Toronto team that played pretty well most of the year, um, almost won almost won fifty games this year, um, and a team that I'm still trying to figure out. I thought he did a really good job of of really uh, separating himself a little bit from the pack from in terms of six men in the of the year. Um, what about rookie of the year? I think it's gonna be pretty easy. I I, I I'll just say mine. Andrew Wiggins, obviously. I thought the kid surprised me, honestly. I, I, how well he played more more than else for guys for guys age, and I, I thought his body. I, I thought coming to the league, his body was too small, and maybe he'll take a little bit of time to uh to uh you know figure it out a little bit. But I mean, he turned it on by the middle of the year, and actually. Had a lot of highlight plays at the end of the season, you know, a couple of facials on a couple of players, but uh, Andrew Wiggins definitely for me. Right. I think it has to be Wiggins. You know, guys like Nikola Mirotic, uh, Nerlens Noel, Alfred Payton, and even a guy like Jordan Clarkson, they each had their moments and certainly some impressive stretches throughout the course of the year. But for me, Wiggins was the most consistent and the most steady. Um, you know, he probably was in the worst situation in terms of uh, you know, the, you know, the, the guys that he was playing with. Actually, you know, Jordan Clarkson would have been in you know in, in that worst situation. But you know, I think he made the most of his year. He, he, you know, there was, I, I saw steady improvement over the course of the season. Uh, you know, from an offensive perspective, you know, like uh, it, it, it'll be great to see him continue to develop that mid-range game to give him kind of that intermediate game so it's not just, you know, going, you know uh, taking it to the rack or shooting a three-pointer. Um, but, you know, from a defensive side of things, you know, he was matched up against the toughest, you know, the toughest opponents, the toughest, you know, scoring wings on a nightly basis and held his own on, mo- on, more, you know, on more than a few occasions. So, for me, six men, you know, excuse me, not six men, uh, rookie of the year, it's got to be Wiggins. Mark? Yeah, you know, for me, Andrew Wiggins won rookie of the year the day he got drafted. Um, it, it, there was really only there were really only two horses coming into this race as far as I was concerned from the outset of the season and that was Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker with Jabari Parker going down it pretty much you know it, Wiggins is going to win it by default but that notwithstanding I really have to applaud his growth I think getting traded in Minnesota was probably one of the best things for him because not being with LeBron and Kyrie gave him the opportunity to get the reps and the minutes that a rookie of his caliber so desperately needs. And I, I just, it, it wasn't even close for me. It, it was Andrew Wiggins. And while I got to give, I got to give all the credit in the world to Jordan Clarkson. I'm really, really, really happy with what he, with what he did. Um, I was very impressed with what I saw, particularly in the second half of the season. But really, there's nobody close to what Andrew Wiggins did. Right. Um, my favorite, probably my favorite award of all here, defensive player of the year. I went Kawhi Leonard. And I know he missed a lot of time this year. But his impact on the San Antonio Spurs when he returned from injury on a, on a Spurs team that was sluggish for a, a good point of the season until, like, February, his impact immediately changed in their, their entire uh, outlook for the rest of the, rest of the year and into the playoffs. I, got, I want Kawhi, man. I don't think I don't Mark. think you can be faulted in going with Kawhi. Although I, I I hear the argument that he missed you know a lot of time. You know I heard the stuff about DeAndre Jordan. While he has significantly impro- you know improved uh, from the de- you know on the defensive end in terms of being a shot blocker, a weak side defender, and a guy that you know will take up some space and, and definitely you know snap you know snatch his fair share of rebounds. He still is out of place far too often for me. Uh, you know for my liking. Um, he still doesn't play the pick and roll nearly as well as a guy, you know, with his agility and athleticism, you know, should, you know, for my taste. 
Uh, I also want to I also want to give some love to Draymond Green for simply being a, like like a Swiss Army knife for the you know for you know, for that team. Uh, you yeah. know, guarding He's two, three, fours, fives, everything. But another guy that I want to mention just quickly is Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz. He's been absolutely yes. fantastic over the second half of the season since they went ahead and moved into Scanner in order to make, you know make more room for him and make more opportunities for him. He's been a absolute force on the defensive end, and even yeah. though he's not going to win it, I think that he sh- I think that he should. Uh, I think he should be in that discussion when in the in the top three or four guys. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if Kawhi ultimately gets it because he's you know he, he look, Kawhi Leonard's the best defensive player in the league, top to bottom. Yeah, best wing defender I think I've seen since Pippen in his peak. Yeah, Seriously. absolutely. No, you know I gotta I gotta agree with your statement about Rudy Gobert Jabari, and I think that in years to come we'll probably see him win more than one defensive player of the year title because I mean he's just got all the components there. Um, my write-in answer to this question before hearing your guys' points was DeAndre Jordan. Um, mm-hmm. you know, with mm-hmm. doing his blocking and rebounding ability, but you just you guys just actually swayed me to Kawhi Leonard's case in, in hearing. That easy, huh? You You're welcome. Head, though, when he said, you know, here's the thing: for a guy of DeAndre Jordan's talent to be out of place as often as he is, just to show a lack of mental growth in the game, especially on the defensive end. Um, that's a little disappointing. And and I think he's right. He's resting on his laurels a little bit. So you, you just got to go with Kawhi Leonard. And I, if I'm not mistaken, he led the league in steals per game uh, this, this year. So, uh, yeah, Kawhi Leonard. And... Uh, Coach Lee, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Can, I, can I just you know, offer this all, all you know olive branch to Clippers fans Absolutely. that are still going to be pissed off with me? Look, folks, you know DeAndre has been great. In fact, he's totally developed into that guy that you know you needed him to be for years. Um, you know, so you know the criticism it's not it's not that we're saying he's not good. It's not in any way that I'm you know I'm saying that he hasn't been an absolute terror for you guys in the paint and should be in this discussion. It's just a matter of. Uh, yeah, Kawhi's just that much better. I, yeah, I just need I, I just need a little more from DeAndre before I can give it to him. There you go. Agreed. Um, Coach of the year, I could you could you could go either way. This I I considered uh, I considered obviously uh, Mike Budenholzer in Atlanta. I considered him Jason Kidd in Milwaukee. I even considered Kevin McHale in Houston, considering all they. Went what about through. LeBron in Cleveland? Ultimately. <laughs> Even LeBron in Cleveland, LeBron James in Cleveland, the coach of the year. Um, but he might, maybe he wins second of the year. Who knows? Ultimately, you can't ignore a six seven wins. You cannot. First year coach Steve Kerr has to win it. Um, like I said, why the wire? Great. Um, I mean, it's not to say about what he's done. I mean, is it? I know the arguments is the fact that oh well, he had a great team in place, and you know, obviously, and you know, yeah, so did Mark Jackson. They won for the one against Mark Jackson. Yeah, but I made I made this point on my radio show last Friday. You know, the, the Bulls had a similar situation also in the late 80s, too, with uh, Doug Collins going to Phil Jackson. The Bulls were already a team right there in the mix. They they're, they're in the conference finals the year before, actually, too. And then they made the change from, from Doug Collins to Phil Jackson. It's kind of similar situation here, whereas Steve Kerr comes in now for Mark Jackson now and takes him over the hump. Now, I'm not saying Kerr is, is Phil Jackson because there's a lot of... There's a lot of basketball being written for him in his, in his, in his uh, new career as a head coach, but... That's the the kind of comparison I use here. I don't think it's fair to use that against him because the fact that he still got this team to win sixty seven games is outstanding. That yeah, is I such gotta agree. Agree. Such... I gotta agree with you on it's Steve Kerr, absolutely, and you know it, it definitely reeks of that Doug Collins to Phil Jackson, Paul Westhead to Pat Riley. Right. It's got that odor to it. 
One modification to your statement that I would make is that I think actually Steve Kerr is probably a lot more Greg Popovich than Phil Jackson. I mean, people always make okay. the Jackson connection, and obviously Phil recapped him for the New York job and everything. He's a goat. But I, I see a lot more pop than, than, than Phil. I, I tend to agree, and that was such an excellent point about you know, like the, the comparison of Doug Collins to Phil as, as, as well as you know, Mark to Steve Kerr. Because you know, let, let, let's make something clear, because a lot of folks have you know, taken their shots at Mark Jackson over the, you know, over the course of this season, um, and, and, I, and I think it's been a bit unfair. Um, I'm not going to totally get on the soapbox, but let me just put one foot up there. I'll say this. I think that he, Mark Jackson did a fantastic job with this young group and, and getting, them, you know, getting them to where they needed to be, and it was the perfect fit to bring Steve Kerr in. Here. Kerr, I cannot yep. sing his praises you know loudly enough. If you look at the basketball lineage of the, the basketball minds that he not only played for but alongside, and when you know people don't remember, he played for Lute Olson, legendary you know, like, you know college coach, you know, out you know, yep. out here, you know, Good. out here. Um, you know, then he plays for you know, Phil Jackson, and then plays for you know, uh, you know plays for uh, Greg Popovich, and played alongside some of the all-time greats and Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman, and then you know, and then later in his career, obviously alongside Tim Duncan and managing. Them. I mean, if you look at that just as a basketball lineage, Steve Kerr was ready to go. So for me, quite frankly, while you know Mark Jackson absolutely deserves the credit, you know, you know, credit for getting this team there, Steve Kerr deserves credit for getting this team over the hump. And you cannot deny yeah, 67 and, wins. You know, and I, think, Holders Corey, great. You, I, I love everything you said. And I think for the listeners, it's really important to note, too, that Mark, let's, let's look at this thing realistically. Mark Jackson got fired not because he didn't have team fear or because he wasn't the right fit for the player personnel. It's because he didn't get along with his bosses. There was an ownership mm-hmm. change. There was, an, there was a, a front office change there. And Mark Jackson just didn't vibe with those guys. So I, I, I want to be I want to be really clear that we're not disparaging him in any way in the coaching job that he did because he really did a fantastic job as a coach. He just wasn't the fit for front office point. Are we uh, all agreement on Steve Kerr? Yeah, I, I and I do want to throw one honorable mention bone to Byron Scott because again the way that he got that undercounted team to play for him <laughs> is. Yes, I'm a homer. I'm, we know this. I am a shameless Lakers apologist. Come on. Byron gets, Byron gets crappy team coach of the year. <laughs> oh, okay, you know I have you got a Lakers fan now that mad at me now. I'm just gonna let that one slide by and go on about my business. What's <laughs> next? All right. <laughs> Hey, come on! I think crappy team coach of the year. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you guys know how I feel about Byron, and I think I, you know, I think given the circumstances, you know, like you know, what else could you really anticipate? Um, folks, just like with just you know, Lakers fans are uh, you know, are mad no matter what, because the same Lakers fans that are complaining about Byron were the same people that I saw complaining about Phil in his last tenure, then Mike Brown, then Mike D'Antoni, then and now Byron Scott. So these are the same folks that you just you, you simply you know you know just, you know. You know, you know yeah, those, those, those fans are content to be pissed off all the time, though. I don't even look at them anymore. It, exactly. But that said, you know, yeah, you know, I'm just going to get off of Byron. Yeah, Byron, Byron, Byron gave me some death last night after the game, so I'm, I'm going I'm to get off of him right. and just let that go. <laughs> right. <laughs>
What's up, Internet? This is Ray Moraldi, also known as Ray Ray from the NoLookPast.com, and you are listening to the Earnestly Speaking Podcast. Go easy on them, tiger. It's been a long time, I shouldn't have left you. Without a strong rhyme to step to, think of how many weeks shows you slept through. Time's up, I'm sorry I kept you. Thinking of this, you keep repeating your miss. The rhyme from the microphone solo with. So you sit by the radio and on the dial soon. As you hear it, pump up the volume. Dance with the speaker till you hear it blow. Then plug in a headphone, cause here we go. It's a full letter word when it's heard to control your body to dance. So, dot text the tempo like a red alert. Reach it to reflex and let it work. When this is playing, you can't get stuck with the steps. So can say, and I'ma still come up with a gift to be swift. Follow the leader, the rhyme ago. Death with the record that was mixed a long time ago. It could be done, but only I could do it. For those that could dance and clap your hands to it. I start to think, and then I. Alright, let's go to the next one. Uh, most improved player. Um, this one to me was actually kind of easy for me. Uh, Gene Butler. And I know he missed some time late, late in the year, but Gene Butler's impact early in the season for Chicago was amazing. Um, and. I think his stock went way up. I think there'll be a lot of teams vying for his services and as easy as a restricted free agent this coming summer. Um, Jim, this was easy for me. Jane Butler, by far. I think... Oh. Yeah, I know. I'm with you, I'm with you 100% on that, Ernest. I, right, I think it's no contest to be Butler. Uh, the way that he stepped up in Derrick Rose's absence is explosive as he was, especially through the first half of the season. When you look at... I mean, yeah, he was a nice player and everything last year, but from that to this, it's, it's, I mean, it's a one-horse race. Can I throw yeah. another name out there that's going to surprise you guys? And I, and I already anticipate people say, but he was already good, and I'm going to, and I have a rebuttal. Yeah, Jimmy Butler is a variance is variance. Improvement is improvement. Yeah. There, there it is. There it is. And, 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 and I'm glad you just made that point because that's the point I was going to make. Who is it? Who? Like, Jimmy Butler is going to win the award, but Clay Thompson absolutely deserves to be in this conversation. Yep. Just like, j- yep. just like uh, j- Goran Dragic won it last year, even though Goran Dragic was already an established player, but he made that much more. You know, you know there was that much more of a variance in in, in the improvement you know, from year to year. If you, and a lot of this is being overshadowed, and one of you guys mentioned this earlier, and it was an excellent point, um, a very salient point. You know, a lot of this is being overshadowed because of the MVP race and you know the attention that Steph Curry is giving. Not you know to no fault of Curry's because he's an absolutely supportive you know teammate you know you know uh, to, to every stretch of the imagination. But Clay Thompson this year is a different basketball player than last year, and I need to, and you know that I loved him last year and the year prior to that. This guy is a real go getter. So. I think he should be in that top two, top three discussion. Absolutely. And I okay. think a big indicator uh, in supporting supporting point to your point is, you know, the fact that he was able to break into the all-star game this year because that secondary group of players was, mm-hmm. was tough. And there were guys that got left off that roster that, you, I, I mean, you could have made a, a legitimate argument for expanding an all-star roster to 14 or 15 players in the Western Conference this year. And... The fact that Clay Thompson was able to break through that exceptionally deep field of guards, even being on the same team with Steph Curry and everything, it, to me is a testament to, to his greatness. And, and because he plays with Steph Curry, people don't take notice of how awesome he is. Right. But we are across the board, Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Right? I think Jimmy Butler's okay. going to win it, but I think if you, you wouldn't be wrong making a, Clay, a case for Clay. Okay, last last one here. Last uh, award here, visual award. Executive of the year, everybody's everybody's favorite. Um, 
I went Mike Budenholzer because he actually is the interim now for Danny Ferry. <laughs> but Mike Budenholzer, doing what he did this year, um, I mean, he'll get a credit for it. Although Danny Ferry was actually had probably a lot more impact on, on, the, on putting together the roster. But I'm not giving Danny Ferry any credit because he's not the guy in charge right now. So Budenholzer is the guy. Jamar? It's David Griffin. Um, the move, you know, the move that they made, you know, the moves that they made in order to go out and not only get Mazda, but all, in order to also secure, uh, you know, the perimeter play with Iman Shumpert and J.R. Smith, those are difference makers. Getting Deion Waiter, getting Deion Waiters out of, you know, out of that, you know, locker room, that was a difference maker. So while I, you know, and, and look, I, I was critical of the, of the Kevin Love move because I, you know, initially, and I stand by, I think Andrew Wiggins would have been a much better fit for this roster. He really made up for it with the moves that they made in season, and given the fact that you're making those, oh, I agree. Given the fact that you're making those in season, you know, credit credit absolutely has to be due to them. Yeah, I got so, so no, so, wait, 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 wait. Nope. wait there's, there's, there's no, uh, there's no slash LeBron James there. No uh, executive uh, slash no, LeBron James. No, no, no. Like I, all of that stuff is funny, <laughs> you know, and, and it's cute. Like I said, you know, and, you know, for Twitter, you know, for a quick hundred and forty characters, you can you, you can throw that out there. Maybe get a couple of retweets. But look, you, you got to give the man the credit where you know where it's due. And and, and you know, LeBron, you know, LeBron may have been you know pivotal in terms of uh, recruiting Kevin Love, but David Griffin's the one that had to go out and make those deals in order to pick up the you know make in order to make the moves that they got, you know, mid-season. And like I said, that's the difference between them right. being, you know, them quite honestly being a team that I, I would look at as going out in the second round and being a team that's probably going to represent the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I got to agree Go with Barry on 100% David Griffin. I think that Atlanta's success is more in spite of the Atlanta front office than because mm-hmm. of it, just because, you know, they, you know, they did right. lose out so badly in free agencies and whatnot. And then when, you know, I was really critical of the Timothy Mozgov. I didn't think he was going to be effective in Cleveland, and he mm-hmm. has come alive. And so I, I'm very pleasantly surprised. And yeah, I think it's got to be David Griffin. Okay. All right, let's go through our first year All-NBA. We got three teams to go through. I'm going to go straight through my list. And you go, you guys go on through your list. I'm gonna go first quickly. My first team all NBA, the two, my two guards, and I and I and I went, I went position specific this time, rather than having two guards and just throw them in there. I took I went actual point guard, actual shooting guard for you know, all that. So my first all NBA is Steph Curry, James Harden, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Marcus All. Oh, I will say Marcus All, man, did cool off late in the year though. But yeah, I can't use that against him. Really, to be honest, it's not fair. But that, that's my first team on NBA. Um, any, any, uh, any uh, great with that? Nope, that's my exact. That's my exact list. Although I didn't do uh, 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 position specific because you don't have to do that for you know for these awards. Um, but it happened to be that was my first. That was my first team. Only on my show. <laughs> Only on my show. <laughs> no, you know, actually, actually, you don't have to. I, I actually want to do. I, I want the challenge of doing it that way, and I think it's more fun. Um, so you want the same exact list, uh, Mark? What'd you do? You know, the only the only difference between your list and my list is I put DeAndre Jordan at the center. Um, mm-hmm. Memphis's recent, Whoa. yeah, you know, Memphis's recent struggles. Um, they they just kind of swayed me the other way. And despite the things that we talked about in the Defensive Player of the Year category surrounding uh, DJ and his shortcomings in the post, I I still think he's. Mm-hmm the best center in the league right now because Dwight we just didn't see enough of. I think Dwight Howard is, is still, as much as I can't stand the guy, I think he's still the best center in the league, but we just didn't see enough of him yeah. this year. So uh, for me, it's, okay. it's DJ. Okay, my second team All-NBA is as follows. My guards, Russell Westbrook, Clay Thompson. 
my forwards, Kawhi Leonard, LaMarcus Aldridge, and DeMarcus Cousins in my center. Jamari, any great with that? I don't have an issue with it. Um, I didn't have the same exact. Uh, I didn't have the same exact because I've got West, uh, Westbrook and Chris Paul in my backcourt uh, alongside Kawhi Leonard, Lamarcus Aldridge, and Boogie. Yeah, at the center. Um, you know, folks. You know, folks are really going to you know think that I'm you know, I'm picking on DeAndre Jordan because I agree 100 percent with Mark. Like, like I said, he has totally developed into the guy that uh, you, know, you know that the Clippers have needed him to be. I just think that uh, I just think that Boogie Cousins was that you know was just a slightly more special than him this year. It's no gripe against him. It's just you know you know what what Boogie brought to the table uh, was just slightly more. Okay. More fair enough. I, I I have Boogie on my third team, so we'll get to that in a minute. But I had uh, oh, it's either Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson, Lamarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, and Andre Drummond. Interesting. I thought. Uh, wow. Of, I thought on Mark with the left field stuff here. Like, what's that? Left field. I, I like. I like it. I like yeah, the challenge. You know, I like a little difference what, what of opinion here. When I went on basketball reference, and I was looking at like all the top categories for rebounds, blocks, everything, and a name that surprised me that just kept coming up in the top two and three in all these critical big man categories, whether it was field goal percentage, blocks, all of that. Andre Drummond's name was always right there at the top, and I think despite the fact that Detroit wasn't very good this year. Uh, he has maintained his position as one of the best centers in the league, and, and I think he has the potential to, to be right there up think top was... with Dwight Howard, Marcus Saul, Hassan Whiteside. I think that's the name we're going to be hearing a lot of over the next few years. Wow, I I I I'm, I'm, I, I, I respect it. I really do. I'm, I'm going to offer um, I'm, my. Let me can I offer just a devil advocate argument today. The only thing, the only thing that I have with Andre Drummond and players like him is that, like, they can, they do look great statistically, but when I watch them play, I don't necessarily see nearly the impact from those statistics. Like, like, just to clarify for some of the listeners, because they're going to say, well, if they do it, then obviously it matters. There's a difference between putting, you know, putting up numbers, you know, like, you know, putting up certain numbers, you know, in, in a, in a, in a stretch. And being able, or being able to, you know, being able to call upon that player to, you know, to do those things when it really, when it's really necessary, or when, you know, when it's well, a perfect on the example line. of what you're saying, Jabari is Kevin Love. Kid was, kid's been hey. a stat monster the day he got drafted and mm-hmm. disappeared this year. Look, yeah. he's, he's for one, he's being used. No, I think yeah, that's he's a fair He's, he's totally being misused, you know, this year. But you know, but but you know, I, I will use that point. I will use that point. You know, Drummond is great. I, you know, I, I love him as like a you know, as a you know big you know strong you know, you know big guy beneath the paint, but uh, you know beneath the rim. But I, I'm sorry, I, I I'm I'm not drinking yeah. the Kool Aid in terms of in terms of the analytics on you know, on him. Uh, yeah, I can't fight you on that okay. because as much as the stats swayed me, I, I I'd be remiss if I didn't say that. If he's putting up those kind of numbers, why isn't Detroit more effective? Why are we not seeing him on SportsCenter more? You know, all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that tells me, like what you said, is that in critical moments, he's just not the guy. So I'll, I'll give yeah. you that. That's fair. My third team, mm-hmm. OMBA, as follows. Guards, Chris Paul, and Gene Butler. Now, here's where I get my shockers in. And you you, you think I'm crazy. My forwards, Pogasol. And Rudy Gay. What? Rudy Gay. <laughs> My God. I, I put Rudy Gay. Remember, 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 I went position specific. Well, no, 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 no. Well, bear in mind also, the three spot this year, 
consider the fact that after LeBron, all the other guys who, the great guys like Durant and Carmelo, miss almost a year. Yeah, but what about the next so there really the wasn't much. He's the, he's on he's on the second team. Okay, okay. I, I'm my second team, so the three spot went really really bare this year. It went really bare. Okay, well then let's so, let's my second team and third and third team. What about Lamarcus Aldridge? You telling me you thought Rudy Gay was better than Lamarcus? He's, he's, he's on my number. He's he's on my number. He's on my second team also. Okay, okay. Clearly, you didn't hear me properly. <laughs> so you so you don't think you don't think Blake Griffin you don't think Blake Griffin was you know was even third? Or, remember, remember, I went. I went specific uh, position. Yeah, no, that's not that I mean, like, You don't think he was? Otherwise, he was better than Paul Gasol. Is what I'm saying. No, I, th- I think Paul's impact was was, was strong this year. Yeah. I, I think Blake was uh, some time also too. Paul's impact. Look, I, I, and I'll get to in a second on MVP discussion after this. Paul Gasol is a dark horse MVP candidate, not top five, but right there. I mean, you talking about? We'll get in a second. Well, I, I want to explain in a second. But my my center is Tim Duncan. Okay. Seriously, Tim Duncan. Okay. All right, Stability. well, here's what I got he, for 13. He, Russell Westbrook, Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, Tom Gasol, Boogie Cousins. So it sounds who, like we're all kind of on the same page with second and third. Who's the last guy? Slight variations over who's edging out who. But it seems like second yeah. and third team were all kind of in the same place. Yeah. Yeah, because I have the only difference is I have, you know, John Wall and Clay in my backcourt. Uh, you know, my third team. I cheated. I don't care. I put Jimmy Butler at the three. It is what it is. You can you, you can sue me. You can sue me. And I got Blake. I got Blake because you know what? He, he, you know, he was special in the games that he was actually there. Um, did I have DeAndre in my in my second team as a center? No, not sure. I don't think you did. All right, no. Well, you know what? Uh, Brooke Lopez, get the heck out of here. DeAndre Jordan, you absolutely deserve it. He probably should have been in this. Brooke Lopez. Huh? Yeah, I, I, just, I just booted Brooke Lopez off the boat. Get off the boat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, You're my right. God. <laughs> okay, I want to quickly, for me, this is our last time we'll let you go. I want to quickly go, I didn't forget it, guys, MVP. As I've been saying for weeks on the radio show, on this podcast, this is, to me, the most competitive and probably deepest MVP uh, uh, race I've seen since 93, Barkley Jordan. To me, and it's not just the fact it's two guys. You you can really arguably go five, six deep of guys of guys who honestly deserve consideration. Like, you, you can go Chris Paul, who, by the way, Chris Paul should be in the, in, in the running for this. Anthony Davis, obviously, in there, too. Uh, I was the same Paul Gasol, considering all the injuries and all the stuff that they've gone through and Paul Gasol's impact on this team, staying healthy and in that system. I thought Paul Gasol was, was a dark horse MVP candidate. Like, maybe not, definitely not top five, but definitely in that little six, seven, eight. No, it's you know? But the point is, the point is that the, the, it, this is the deepest roster of players I see made, that made impacts this year. Obviously, LeBron's in the, in the race. Obviously, Westbrook's in the race. Um, up until two minutes ago, I hadn't decided. I, I, I just can't, and I was, I've been saying all along that I want, this, 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 this is my, this is what I want. I want Westbrook to win it, Russell Westbrook to win it. He's not going to, though, because number one's not in the playoffs, so that's not, that doesn't hurt him, okay? I do think James Harden has the best resume to win it, but I think ultimately Steph Curry will win it, and I think you, with Steph Curry, really, you can't, like, like what Steve Curry said in terms of, like, not using things against him because, oh, he has a good team, Steph Curry, if you look at the analytics and look at the, the effect on that team he has, 
it is hard to ignore Steph Curry. Like, if the Golden State Warriors didn't win 60-plus games this year, then, yeah, I, I think James Harden's a shoe-in. But the fact that he won 67 games wire the wire in that conference in this season, and the fact they've, uh, you know, like I said, number two in, def- in defense and one in offense or, or vice versa, um, and then the winning games by average 11 points a game, it is hard to know Steph Curry to win that. Steph Curry's my MVP, MVP this year. Yeah, I think it's got to be Steph. He's, you know, if if the best, if their record had only been 60, 61 wins, um, I, I, you know, you could make a more reasonable case for James Harden. It can't be, it can't be disregarded that the guy has accounted for forty two percent of Houston's offense this year. I mean, that is just uncanny. And the last time somebody did that, they won the MVP, and their name was Derrick Rose. So I, 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 that is a very worthwhile point to me. However. The, the thing for me that, that edges Curry out over Harden, well, number one is likability. We've talked about this before, Ernest, is that James Harden's likability is, is going to be his biggest uh, hurdle with writers, number one. But number two, Steph has been unwavering all season long. He's been the same guy night in and night out for 82 games. And he's the best player on the best team. So I think ultimately it's going to go to him. Look, Steph's going to win the award, but I'm going to I'm I'm going to give the you know the devil's advocate argument for James Harden. Clay Thompson yeah. is Clay Thompson is, is in the discussion, or at least in my discussion for you know uh, most of, you know one of the most improved players and definitely one of the better guards in the league. Draymond Green is also in the discussion for you know defensive player of the year and also has been absolutely fantastic for them. You know what Bogut brings them. Barnes has been phenomenal phenomenal for them. Iguodala is actually a guy that we should have mentioned it in the six man conversation, even though the stats aren't there. But you know, like that, that's not necessarily yeah uh, his, you know, his, what impact, his impact and his contribution. His willingness to accept that role, right? And, and Jabbar, you're correct though on that. But here's my thing with Steph Curry. This is why I, I'm. I'm I, and look, by the way, when I say Steph Curry, it's by a smidge. It's like it's 51 49. Okay, mm-hmm. that's how close it is. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. My thing with Steph Curry is not so much what he does. I think what's was so much more dangerous with Steph Curry more than anything else is the threat of Steph Curry. The fact that you know what he can do and defenses have to prepare for him immediately from from the moment he has the ball. And he and then he and look he he makes other players better too. Well, yeah, and not, double, this is not a knock on Harden at all. To Clay Thompson and he lights you up fifty points. <laughs> see, yeah, see, but the thing of it is, is everybody in this discussion, you know, has that. You know, like LeBron has that threat. LeBron, uh, you know, Steph has that threat. James Harden absolutely has that threat. So look again. I'm not arguing against the merits of Steph Curry. So for all the little fanboys out there that are going to get all like you know hurt and be like, oh my god, he's 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 questioning Steph Curry. Look, Steph Curry's phenomenal. He's one of my favorite players in the league. I'm only put I'm only putting this out there for perspective. You guys answer this to me. Who's the second best player on uh, on the Rockets? Well, Dwight. And he missed fifty games. And the fact that you just had to say Patrick Beverly, who's also been out for the last fifteen or so, or, you know, ten to fifteen or so games, you know, it, it will, was in the discussion for the second best player. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that was a stretch to throw Patrick Beverly at that. Well, like I said, Jabari, what tilted this argument for me though was 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 the six seven wins. That's what tilted the argument for me. Is the wins and the, and the, diff, the point differential? That's what tilted. That's the hard part. Like if if Golden State was having a really good year, like six two twenty year, whatever. Uh, okay, hardened easily, but it's just that that extra nudge was was the point differential and the 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 clip the clip the dual. Yeah, but, I mean, why the wire? But, that, but that's, but that's what, kind of that's, that's kind of a false premise because the, the, those things are based upon yes, the MVP will will influence that, but that's based upon having a more superior team. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, it, which is exactly what I which is exactly what I was bring, you, know, you, you know what I was showing. I only I only bring it up, you know, like to say Seth Curry's going to win it. But James Harden, you know, James Harden did more with less this season and was the MVP. Well, and I think Jabari, you're making a really good point. For me, I you define are, are. I define Fine, you got me. Harden wins it. Harden wins as the player who holds the in the, the highest individual contribution to their team's collective success. And if you compare, mm-hmm. if you look at the percentage of the success pie that Steph Curry occupies on both states and the percentage of the success pie that James Harden occupies on Houston, it's not close. Houston, Houston yeah. depends more on James Harden they're not, than Golden State not only does. That, They're not a playoff team without him either. Yeah. They're not a playoff and team without me, James Harden. That, that, that's, that's true. What's more valuable than that? If we're really so, defining value, what's more valuable than that? Well... This is definitely one of, like I said, one of the best uh, MP discussions. I, I had a lot of fun discussing this, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll have more. F- they're not going to announce this in a couple weeks, so we have, we're going to have more fun discussing this as we lead up to, to, the, there's to three, the playoffs. But uh, it's awesome guys, because there's three what? to four guys that could win the MVP, and you wouldn't be wrong, and that doesn't even include mm-hmm. LeBron James. No, 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 no. It's, it's, really, it's really two guys. It's only two guys. It's LeBron. It's, it's Harden or Curry. That's it. Yeah. Curry, Wait, and, and, and to be clear, but, just for the for the folks out there. The, the the conversation is actually over. So, like, you know, like, say, for instance, Harden. Yeah, Harden, no. But, you know, but no, but no, no, meaning, like, say, for instance, and, and I'm, I'm specifying this for the folks that, you know, you know for our listeners that like to be on Twitter. Look, Harden may, you know, Harden may flame out in this, you know, in this postseason. And, you know, Steph, in all likelihood, is probably going to go on and do very well. That is not, you know, that, you know, like, we should also just specify, even though the award isn't announced right now, that is not contingent upon you know, upon yep. this award. Yep. That's, and that's the last night. And the last night. It's yep. it, 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 inadmissible. It's outside. It's outside the purview of what we're looking at. <laughs> yep. Right. But guys, thank you so much for doubling up with me today, man. The, doing the, the the awards, and of course for some predictions. Uh, Jabari, quickly, where can I find you? you uh, easy uh, for one. Let me thank you for the opportunity. Always great to catch up with you guys. We you know we've been doing this for years, oh, of so course, it's man. always fun. Uh, catching on Basketball Insiders pretty much each week, uh, you know, at least one or two feature articles. You know, my, you know, everybody's welcome to join my, you know, my chat session, uh, which I conduct every Saturday on behalf of the site. And catch me on Twitter, Jabari Davis NBA. Right, awesome man, awesome. Uh, Mark, as always, as always, we're you, find it's, you it's, been a, it's been an honor and a pleasure to be here with you guys. It's so much fun. We're we're long overdue to have done this together, so it's been great. Um, you can you can find me as always uh, at Francois Mark on Twitter and of course right here on Earthly Speaking. Guys, awesome pods today! Awesome pods today! over.
baseball season is here at last and the excitement continues all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant cash, instant gratification. Why wait until the end of the season to claim victory when you can win huge cash every day? At DraftKings, it's like a brand new season every time you play. Just select two pitchers and eight position players, stay under the salary cap, and you could be on your way to an enormous payday. Last year, Peter from Colorado won a million bucks at DraftKings in one day, just playing fantasy baseball. Hundreds of thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code SPREAKER to play for free. You could win part of $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. Use promo code SPREAKER for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.